a quick little story of something that um, didn't go the way that I had planned, okay? Well, about maybe 10, 12 years ago, John took me out for my birthday. He's like, let's go. It was when Garzanelli's, before they opened as Garzanelli's again, was there. And uh, we went in, and we had dinner for my birthday, and it was such a great experience. Him and I just sitting there sharing and, you know, spending all this time together, excited, got the bill. We were going to go home. We thought, oh, this is so nice. Walked outside to get in my car, and all four tires were slashed. And I was like, say what? Are you kidding me? So, of course, we went back in to Garzanelli's, and we told them what happened. They called the cops. Cops come and said, this is like the third Maroon Monte Carlo that's had its tire slash this week. So somebody had a vendetta against somebody driving a Maroon Monte Carlo, which I just happened to be driving, of course, so experienced that little gift on my birthday instead. So we had the call for a tow truck, because, you know, you couldn't do anything. You couldn't, who's going to spend four times, you know, you can't put four new tires on. So we had to have it towed home and get it all fixed, put all brand new tires on it. So that birthday did not go the way that I thought it would at all. How many of you guys have had the experience where something you thought was going to happen in the way that it was going to happen, and it totally goes awry? It goes a different way than you expected. I think all of you guys should have been raising your hand, because what did we just experience? We experienced COVID, right? So every one of you should have been thinking that things didn't go the way that you thought they were going to go. I mean, obviously, you think about COVID, you think about that experience that we went through, um, things that we thought we could always do, suddenly couldn't do. Places we thought we could go, we suddenly couldn't go, right? Toilet paper that we thought would always be in supply somehow was no longer there on the shelves, and we're like, what? What happens? This is this crazy, weird world. But, you know, if you think back to January 2020... We were all play, making plans, weren't we? You guys were thinking about your summer. You're like, man, I'm going to go on this vacation. It's going to be great. We're going to celebrate this graduation or there's weddings coming up. We're going to have all this time. It's going to be so great. And we didn't realize that in a very few short weeks, everything was going to come to this grinding halt in our life. And they definitely would not be going in the ways that we thought life would. We'd have never believed it. I mean, if a time traveler ever came and would have told us that you, you guys don't understand, this is what's going to happen, we'd be like, no way, no, uh-uh, that's not going to go that way. We would think that a lot of times, like, no, there's no possible way our world could change that much, but yet it did, right? Well, I don't know if you ever saw this video, but when I saw this video a long time ago, I thought, oh, this poor guy. But I want you to see it, this poor guy named Jack. We're going to show you a quick video about Jack. But a young bloke called Jack walks out with the very first iPhone, okay? So obviously there's a rush of people running up to Jack, and here is what happened when I ran to Jack. Have a look. Okay, now this is just the normal iPhone, is it? This is just the normal iPhone 6. Yeah, I didn't want okay. a bigger one. All right, we're doing the reveal. His name's Jack. Oh, at least you wouldn't read about it, the poor guy. Did you see the... Poor Jack. I mean, he didn't see things going that way, did he? He probably was so excited, he probably got up, you know, who, who knows, he could have been there the day before, standing in line to get that iPhone 6. 
you know, everything was like so amazing, glorious. We're like, ta-da! Like sun was shining down on those five phones, you know, at the beginning. But I'll tell you what, he definitely didn't, ex- didn't expect the fact that he was going to drop it. And you could see he was trying to really play it off, wasn't he? Because he's like looking at the scratch and thinking, that ain't coming out. That, that's not coming out. That's done. I'm done with. But you know, a lot of us make plans for our future. And we have this expectation of life and how it's going to go. And a lot of times it doesn't go the way that we think it's going to go. A lot of times things go crazy. Things go wild. Things go different than what we expect. I think for most of us, when we're young kids or maybe young adults, we think we're just going to grow up. You know, we're going to grow older. We're going to enjoy our lives. You know, when we become like 100, we're going to die. And we're going to think that only good things are really going to come our way as we grow older. And a lot of times that's not what happens in life. It's just not the experience that we have. I think if you were asking somebody who was divorced now, they didn't think when they were standing at the altar that things were going to go crazy and they would part. They didn't expect that at that moment. You know, people who were at their very first house closing, they never thought that maybe they could lose that house, that they, they could not have that experience, that they would have to give it back to the bank because of finances. Young people... You know, you guys think you're invincible. <laughs> Never stopping to think that there could be a sickness or something could come your way that could let your life be going in a totally different direction. A young man or a young woman that ends up in bankruptcy, everything that they had saved, you know, over the time, and all of a sudden, you know, the dividends don't pay off anymore and things go crazy and life is not what they expected and it didn't go the way they thought it would. Well, I think... The problem is that we all have plans, right? All of us make plans. We all have plans for our future, what we think is going to happen. But we have to remember that they're just plans. What are plans? Something that's not happened yet, right? It's not put in stone just because you made a plan. A lot of times our plans are really just imagined thoughts, what we want to have happen, but they haven't happened yet. I think if anything happened good out of these last few years of COVID, is that we all figured out really quickly that these plans that we make can really go crazy and not end up the way we thought they would. We're definitely not in control, are we? When it comes right down to it, we're not in control. We think we are many times. We think that we have all control over all things. But if we look at the world and how it went, we can see that we're really not in control. Well, God actually tells us some really interesting things about our plans. One in Proverbs 16:9 that says, we can make our plans but the Lord determines our steps. And I think that's really, really good. I mentioned before that when I teach youth, one of the things I always tell them is this saying, this, this word, Deo Valente, which means God willing. God willing. So when we make our plans, a lot of times we say, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do it there. The Bible tells us as you can make those plans, but if the Lord wills it to not go that way, it won't go that way. So it's Deo Valente, God willing. So if someone asks you, say, hey, you want to go here and do this? You say, yeah, okay, I'm going to write on my calendar. Deo Valente, God willing. Teach him a little God talk. That's a good thing. So the point is that ultimately it's God that determines our futures. Things don't always go the way in which we think they're going to go. However, we have to understand that they will always go in the way that God desires them to go. Right? God is in control. So since this is Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, the week leading up to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, I thought I'd talk to you about these people that really thought things were going to go a certain way, and they didn't. 
because those people just like us. You know, they're no different. The people in the past are no different from what we are today. A lot of times thinking that things are going to be figured out just because of the way that they imagine them to go. And a lot of people thought that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, that it was going to go a much different way than it did. John 12, 12 and 13 says, The next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. These are people who just saw Jesus heal Lazarus, brought him back from the dead. Saw him heal people over and over again. The blind saw. The mute talked. The deaf heard. He saw, they saw all these miracles taking place. And then they see Jesus is going to walk in, and they have this whole imagined plan of how it was all going to go. He's going to come. He's going to be victorious. He's going to be so great. This is, this is going to be wonderful. So they had this thought, this plan in their mind of how it was all going to go. But it's sad because Jesus actually told them how it was going to go, but they weren't listening. They weren't paying attention to his words. If you read these four different accounts in the Bible, you can see that Jesus leading up to it always explained on how things were going to go. But a lot of times what happens with us is we kind of think we know better, right? We kind of think, no, no, it can possibly go that way. Just like COVID, it couldn't possibly go that way. You know, he was sitting there explaining to them with the, the parable of the, the ten, you know, the parable of the ten servants, the idea that he's going to give them this. You plant this. You make this grow, you know, because I'm going away, and then I'm going to come back, is what he said. He had all these different times when he was telling them over and over again that I'm going to leave here. I'm not going to stay, that I'm actually going to my death and they didn't even pay attention to what he was saying. They believed that Jesus was going to come and he was going to take control. That he was going to overthrow the Romans who were in charge at that time. And he was going to become an earthly king for them. Not a heavenly king, but an earthly king. One that would take away the Romans, take away all the taxes, take away all these things. Don't we all have that mindset thinking, well, we, we just want someone to come make it better for us? That's what they wanted, too. So here they are out in the streets. They're laying out articles of clothing for Jesus to walk on, waving palm branches, which is actually a sign of victory and triumph, all excited for his marching into Jerusalem, even though they were probably a little bit confused on how he came into the city. And we'll talk about that. You know, it's interesting when you think about the palm branches. When I first started going to church a long, long time ago, they had the palm branches, and they would give them to people to worship at the beginning for Palm Sunday. And people would wave them, just like you're waving in Jesus, you know, bringing them, welcoming in. And I thought, I don't know if you guys would do that. And I think that's a shame. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know if you guys are, a lot of times you're, sometimes I think we seem very embarrassed, don't we, to raise our hands, to wave a palm branch. But yet, this was what they did to welcome Jesus into the kingdom. This is what they weighed, because it's a sign of victory and triumph. And I thought to myself, I'm going to give them, because I bought some, I gave them to the kids' ministry instead. Because I didn't know if you guys would wave them. 
And I think that should be convicting. And not to beat you up, but to kind of challenge you. Sometimes I think we're so afraid to worship this God that we say we love and serve. Why don't we want to praise him like this? You know, if you had your favorite team, you'd be all hollering and yelling. But when it comes to Jesus, who you say you love, trust, and is going to take you to heaven someday, what more ultimate person should you be praising than him? Right? I want to challenge you. Like I said, I didn't give you the palm branches. I'll wave mine. But I want to challenge you for the future of like really starting to praise Jesus if you say you love him like you do. But you know, the thing is, he showed up in a way that people didn't expect. And I want to read this to you. Luke 19, 28 through 40, it says, after telling this story, the stories, basically, there's lots of stories, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they bought brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. That's one of my favorite, favorite parts of the Bible. This is what I say. This is what I'm challenging you today. Do you want the rocks to do your job? No. No. Shouldn't we be praising him with everything we have? I, I, just, I just sometimes just get so frustrated because I just think of like what my life was like before salvation and the hope that God gave me a family that would never have reached the kingdom of God, that God changed me so that I could teach my kids and we could be saved. It's just amazing to me. I love him so much. I don't want the rocks to do my job. Years ago when I taught a lesson in youth, I remember teaching the kids, you know, they actually say it's scientific knowledge, that if you listen to a rock, if you can listen close enough that it's actually making sound, it's probably praising Jesus. It's probably praising Jesus every day. It says all of creation sings praises to Jesus. I believe that that's probably the case. You know, I think it sounds like this amazing moment. These people were praising Jesus, so you think it was a happy time for him? But that's not what God's word says. Luke 19, 41 through 44 says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. 
What a bittersweet moment for Jesus. Bittersweet because he knew he was doing what he was going to accomplish. He knew it was God's plan all along. His dad wanted him to do this. This was it. But he also knew that those people were going to turn on him so quickly. He knew. God knew all along. The people had a plan of how it was going to go, but God knew better. Jesus knew better. The sad thing is he knew that they only wanted them, him to be there if he was going to become their earthly king, not their heavenly king. He knew that they only wanted him there because they thought they wanted them to be protected from the Romans, that the Romans were going to be taken down. But Jesus was like, that was never my plan because it was never God's plan. That was never my plan to be the earthly king that you desired. So instead of becoming this earthly king like they had imagined, instead he gets arrested and he goes to the cross. I mean, you have to imagine they have to be going like, say, what? Are you kidding me? This king that's coming, he's going to just go to the cross now? This God that should be victorious, that's a victor, all of a sudden looks like a total victim? They have to have been just like, what? This can't be what's happening. The sad thing is they only wanted Jesus if he conformed to their plans, not to God's plans. How many of us do the same thing? We do the same thing. You know, we can look at these people and we could say, wow, how horrible. But we do the very same thing. We have an idea of what we want God to do in our lives. And when he doesn't conform to our plans, we don't want him either, do we? We're so guilty of that. You know, I think Jesus lived a very interesting life when you think about it. I mean, really, from the time he was born, he lived in the shadow of his death. He knew that's why he was born, is to die. Just to come and die for our sins. He began his public ministry when he was 30 years old, just like Jewish custom says all good Jewish boys do. You don't start leading and and doing Jewish laws and, and teaching people unless you're 30 years old. It's a long time to wait to start your your job. Then he spent the next three and a half years walking around, feeding people, helping people, healing people of all sorts of illnesses. But he did something interesting. What he did over and over and over again is he would tell them, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody anybody yet what I've done. If I healed you, don't tell them that I healed you. He would heal people. He would sneak away in the crowd. He disappeared amongst the people. But what's interesting about Palm Sunday in Jerusalem when he walks in is he does it for everyone to see. He does it where it's really public. You know why? Because it was his time and he knew it. He knew this was the time I'm supposed to be visible. This is when I'm supposed to be noticed. And he did it publicly because he wanted the authorities to see him. And honestly, take him. It was his time. It was always planned. And he was always in control. God was always in control. The people were not. He does it in a way that the people welcoming and praising him in, and the Roman leaders also, they would never have understood. They didn't understand. Like I said, he looked like such a victim. He rides in on a small donkey, a small donkey. 
not in a chariot like the Romans did when they came back from battle, not on a great steed, a horse that showed like power and victory, but instead on a donkey that were symbols of peace in that time. A donkey, which was prophetic as everything that was said up to that time was revealed that it was true. All of it was prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9 and 10 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. A donkey. Have you guys ever heard the story about a donkey? It's pretty interesting. There's a story that says that obviously we know that the donkey is what carried Jesus, or Mary, when she was going to give birth to Jesus, right? And then we also know the story that I just read to you where Jesus rides on top of a donkey. But there's a story that says that when that donkey carried Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, that the donkey could not bear what Jesus was going through. So the donkey turned away. And when the donkey turned away, it says when Jesus was on the cross, the cross fell, the shadow of the cross fell upon the donkey. And did you know that every donkey that ever lives has a cross on its back to this day? Every donkey has a cross. Every donkey. No other animal has a cross on its back except for the donkey. You tell me God's not real. I'm telling you, God's in control of all things. He even has a donkey that shows us from the very beginning of time to the end that this was the main animal that he was going to use and the cross is upon his back. Even if you take and you shaved a donkey, you could still see the cross on the back of the donkey. But when he brought the water, rode in on this donkey, people thought, that's weak. That's weak. That's not, that's not power. But that was never God's plan to come with power. He wanted to come in humbly. All these people thought this was leading in a different direction than it was going to go. Just like a lot of times we do. We have to understand something about our lives. That if our God can go from a hero in one minute to complete, you know, someone has to go to the cross and to die for their, our sins in a, a split second, that who are we to think our lives can be any different? Why do we think that we should have everything in control and everything should go perfectly for us? We shouldn't expect things to go in the way that we always think they're going to go. I think we can hope for a life filled with happiness, but there's nothing promising that. I don't think you live very, very long in this life to see that it's not the case, is it? I mean, there's things all of us go through, painful moments in our lives that we don't expect to go through, but we go through them. I think that this is a lesson that we have to take away from Palm Sunday. We have to understand that when we look at our lives, what we imagine them to go like and what we imagine them to be like is just that. They're imagined. They're plans we make that plans can go astray very quickly. 
I don't know what you expect Jesus to do for you in your life. If you're here, you probably have a relationship with Jesus. You probably try to follow what God's word says. But I want you to understand something. These people thought things were going to go a certain way, but a lot of times because they weren't listening. They weren't paying attention to what Jesus' words are. This is why we tell you so often, read God's word for yourself. Don't be led astray. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. We didn't know what was coming in 2020, did we? There's no promise that it's going to be even better in the future just because we got through COVID. We don't know. It could go back to the same way. It could be worse. I think all of us should be really just the idea that we're not in control. Are you serving Jesus? Are you reading his word? Are you going to be led astray? Are you going to imagine things to go a certain way and they don't because you didn't listen to his words? That you didn't pay attention to what he was telling you? We tell you all the time, there's free Bibles out there. Take one. If you lost one and you don't, you're embarrassed, take another. We don't care. We'll buy you as many Bibles as you need. Someday someone will find them in your house. Hopefully they'll read them. Or they'll find them wherever you left them, and they'll read them. But it's so important for you to read God's word. And, you know, I think we get so busy. We get so caught up in our plans, our life, the things that we think are going to go a certain way, then they don't. And a lot of times it's because, you know, we're just not prepared. We're not prepared because we didn't listen to God's words. Things aren't always going to go the way that you think they are. But what you need to understand is that God is always in control. If you love Jesus, you ask for his help. He will be your strength. We sing about him being our anchor. He's our anchor. We can hold on to when times go crazy. I don't know if I could have got through 20 and 21 without having Jesus. I think it's the only thing I could count on. When the world was getting so crazy and you're like, what is going on? This is insane. You know, you're, you're, you can't look for an earthly person to save you. You have to look for the king. That's what you have to do. We don't always understand the whens and the whys and all that stuff that goes with our lives. But you have to understand that he does. He knows the when. He knows the whys. He knows the how. But it's up to us to stay in tune with his word. His word always shows that we can trust him. Trust him because he keeps his promises. They are yes and amen. Whatever he told you, he will follow through. Jesus is not a liar. He's not going to tell you something and then not do it. His word is proven to be true. My goodness, it's thousands of years it's prophesied and it comes true. Don't, that's like the biggest mystery ever. Honestly, I'm like, why don't you want to read it? <laughs> it is so awesome. When you read Jesus' character, you can't help but fall in love with him. When I read how he talks and how he thinks and when he sees somebody not paying attention or he thinks that they're thinking something that he shouldn't be, how he talks to somebody in the crowd and says, hey, what do you think of this? And kind of teaches this person over here. He's so real and genuine and such a good God. But his word says that we can trust him. All the things he told us from the very beginning until the end. He told us of how he was going to die 
how he was going to go on the go to the cross, how he was going to die for our sins. That he's going to have a moment where it seems like God has turned his back on him. He says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because it was at that moment when all the sins of humanity was upon him and God in his goodness and purity cannot look upon sin. So he had to turn away from Jesus at that moment because he was filled with sin. Do you ever think about all that pain that he had gone through? This isn't the Easter message, but this is the Passover Palm Sunday message. The idea that we're going to understand Jesus, what he was going to go into this week. This holy week that we're going to go into. Of understanding all that he experienced, the pain, the hurt. People turning their back on him. I think we need to understand his promises, how good they are. Because we have to trust in his promise for our future too. Understand this is not it. The awesome thing about Jesus is when he left, he left for us the Holy Spirit. And he says, someday I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back and all of you who stay faithful to the end get to go with me. Another promise. Another promise that he makes that he will keep. No doubt about it. As long as we endure to the end. That's your job. Endure. It doesn't sound like it's going to be that joyful sometimes, does it, when you hear about the word endure? It sounds like it's going to be a struggle. And a lot, a lot of times that's what it is in life. It is a struggle. But he says, it doesn't matter what you go through. You have to endure through it to the end and stay faithful to me. And then I get to take you with me to the kingdom. And there's no more tears, no more pain, no more struggles there. Let me pray for you. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word that explains to us just the humbleness and the kindness and the goodness of a Savior who willingly goes to the cross for our sins. We just thank you, Father, that you are so good, Lord God, to not leave us alone after he dies, Lord God, but you give us your Holy Spirit that directs us and guides us and challenges us to become the people that you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for your promise that you're coming back for us in the end, that we don't have to be fearful, that we can trust in you. We just thank you, Father, that you are so good and so loving and so kind. We just thank you, Father, that you love us like you do, that you so willingly did go through such torture. We praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.